can sit down. Thank you. I love you too. I feel like a visitor. I haven't been home in two weeks, I think. It's been at least, well, been a, two Sundays, I think. Well, hi. <laughs> it's so nice to speak, to be able to preach in English. I was just telling Paul, like, I was in the country of Lafia for, I think, nine days, and I preached eight hours one day on Saturday, all through translators. That's always really fun. They don't get your jokes. So, like, <laughs> so all day long, I was like, that was supposed to be funny. Well, that was funny, so then they laugh, you know, obviously. They don't even know what the joke is, but it must be funny, so. So then I finally hit the whiteboard, and I just put a big happy face and encouraged myself. And, and when we came back from one of the breaks, somebody had drawn a picture of me and wrote all the things they love about me, and Chris is funny. So I just kept looking at that, and like, when I make a joke, I'm like, really? Like, oh, well. Yeah, so... It's been, um, it's been a little while, and then I fly out to Brazil for eight days. Yeah, how many of you from, from Brazil? I've never been to Brazil before. Yeah, I thought you guys spoke Spanish, but I just found out it was Portuguese. And... I was just practicing too, you know, como estas, you know, amigos. Like, ain't gonna work, dude. They speak Portuguese. How did that happen to a continent so close to Spain? I don't know, whatever. God bless you guys, though. I know you're not close to Spain either. I'm not good at geography either. <laughs> Quit. <laughs> they may, may cancel me before I finish the message tonight. And then my mom's uh, had an operation, and that's not been going very well, and we almost lost her last night. So I was supposed to preach this morning, so it's just been a long, long week. And, and we were, I was there for a couple of days with her, and then got home, and she took a turn for the worse. So... We've been praying for her, and now tonight she's taking a turn for the better. So, uh, we like that turn. Stay, <laughs> stay there. So um, anyway, so it's it's uh, really it really is good to be home, and uh, I like to stay home. Sorry, I missed you this morning. Well, why don't you grab a hand and let's pray? I it's come to that. <laughs> I don't know geography, I can't figure out what they speak, what country I'm going to. God bless America. Lord, we just, we bless this message. By faith, it's going to be good. And everybody said, so be it. Amen. Um, I, I have this phrase... Um, going through my mind, and kind of, I'm going to share tonight on faith and where is your faith? And and um, I, you know, you know, uh, life happens in seasons, right? You notice people say it like this: things come in waves. And I think life happens in seasons. And Ecclesiastes, Solomon got it right. And Ecclesiastes said, "There's times of war, and there's times of peace, and it's time for love." And he, just the the whole the whole thing that life happens in cycles and in seasons and and uh, I think the tough seasons, they, they help you to, a few things. One is, I think tough seasons help you to appreciate the really good seasons. And to, I, I, I find myself being really thankful for the great seasons that I've had in, in life and in God. They also, tough seasons also help to push to the surface things that have been hiding there. You know, I, I remember thinking, 
before we had our first child, I thought, I am, I am so patient. You know your self-evaluation? <laughs> do you do that? Like, like, I honestly thought I was a very patient... I'm not joking. Like, that's like, I wasn't joking about the Portuguese either, but I actually thought to myself, you know, my, my self-evaluation was like, I'm a very... I have issues, but it, I'm pretty patient. And then we had our first child, and I'm like, yeah, no. No, that's it's not one of the good qualities that I thought I had. And, you know, uh, trials, they, they, don't, they don't create bad stuff in us. They just reveal it. Not necessarily bad stuff. They reveal who we are. They don't create who we are. They just reveal who we are. You know, somebody once said, you know, God, that person makes me mad. It's like, no, mad had to be in there. There are people who bring mad out in us, but if mad wasn't in there, it wouldn't come out. And I live with someone who doesn't get mad, so I actually know that's a fact. And if that's not in the Bible, it, it ought to be. Proverbs 32, I've been writing another. <laughs> I'm trying to get it canonized so it'll really sell big, you know? So far, that hasn't gone very well either. That was a completely a joke. Well, no, we're streaming, so... And so it's, it's been a, you know, this has been a challenging um, 30, 30 days or so for us and, as a family. And, um, and, uh, and, and, I, and I find myself, my responses to things in this season have been surprising. I, I, um, we kind of, we kind of, uh, we kind of pushed this message to the surface for me is, I, I text somebody that was really important to me. This has all been about a month ago. I text somebody really important to me, and and uh, something pretty important, and kind of shared my heart. And two days went by, and they didn't answer. And I text back. I said, "Did you get my message?" No answer. And by the third day, I was like pretty like I was I was I like I was arguing my case, and I was arguing their case. What's really cool about that is I always win when I do that. Have you ever done that before? Like you have an argument with someone, but they're not present. So I, by the third day, I was really like, you know, I was really uptight. And, and I had, the, every time I just, their name came to my mind, I just, I had this like, this argument that I already had with them and they lost. Like I had it like several times, they lost every time. I, I argued their side both of many different ways and every time they were just lost and wrong. And I, I, I said something to Kathy about it on the third day. I said, you know, this is just really sad. You know, I texted him, da-da-da. And she's like, when Kathy disagrees, she just learns to, like, just look at me. <laughs> I'm like, I, I need you to process back. And she's like, no, you, you really don't. You know, you've fallen off the tracks. <laughs> so um, the evening of the third night, I was really, like, really, like, gosh, I can't imagine what well, you know, I've done all these things to help these people, and I, I, they must be really mad at me, and I have no idea why they'd be mad at me. Maybe this, maybe they're mad at me for this, but I didn't really do that. That wasn't my fault. That, in fact, I think that was their fault. <laughs> that thing that happened a year ago, I, they probably, that's why they're not texting me back. They probably thought of it. And... <laughs> On the third night, I was in bed, and, the, and my phone went, Broop. you know what it does when it, makes, when it texts you? And I picked it up, and it's them. And I'm like, oh... You know, it shows you the first line. I'm like, they've decided to repent. <laughs> I was a little nervous. I'm like, clicked on it. Like, what's their argument going to be? And they go, hey, just got your text. I've been out of 
been out, out of text range, out of cell range for two days. Just want to tell you, I really love you. I miss you. Thank you so much for what you shared. You're just so important in my life. I was so mad at them for that. You know, wrestling with ghosts is exhausting and self-defeating. Uh, it really de- demands all our attention and terrorizes our imagination. And I've decided to step out of the re- ring and retire from the sport. The practices are grueling and the trophies invisible. That night I didn't sleep very well. I, I didn't sleep very well the previous nights because I had this argument with this person. And then I didn't sleep very well because I was shocked by my response. And, I, and here's the, I, I was shocked by my response for a couple of reasons. One, uh, the obvious, that you, you wouldn't need to be told. The second was, I wondered how many other ghosts I had to wrestle with that I had made up in my imagination that had nothing to do with reality. Because I had, for three days, had this amazing case. You would have been impressed. About something that wasn't real at all. I mean, it didn't have even a, like a line of truth or fact in it whatsoever. And I kind of shocked myself into reality, and I, I started thinking, I wonder how many times I've developed virtual evidence. I wonder how many other times I've developed virtual evidence and become offended for no reason whatsoever. And so I laid in the bed that night, and I was in another country. I was in, I was in Lafayette. I laid in bed, and I started thinking. I, started, I decided to do a sozo on myself. Yeah, which is also very interesting, because you can find demons that aren't there. And the ones that are, they hide from you. And I, I remember just praying in bed, thinking, I wish Donna was here right now. She'd lay hands on me and... And those, those puppies would all leave, you know. Uh, and I started thinking, like, what is really wrong? Like, what's really wrong? I mean, there's the obvious, you know, like, okay, you just made a big old story, cause, because why? Okay, because why? Well, because she shouldn't have been out of cell or range. Actually, he, he shouldn't have been out of cell range, you know? I mean, like... She let me know, like, it's supposed to be prophetic. <laughs> Person. And I, I am really literally laying there, and I, I am so shocked. Has anyone else done? I'm like, and then the rest of you are such liars. <laughs> no, I mean, probably most of us experience something similar. Probably not with the full-color imagination that I have. I'm a storyteller. I tell myself stories. scare the bejeebers out of myself. <laughs> and I, I actually, I lay there and I started thinking, what, what is really wrong? Like, what's the problem? And I, I mean, there are natural things. Like, I'm really tired. I'm really emotionally tired from all the stuff we're going through for months. And, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm tired. Like, this is not my normal response. But this is not uncommon for me either. Like, I can look back through my life and... See other times when I've done the same thing, and 
maybe even worse than this. And I'm like, so this is not like, wow, this is the first time this has ever happened in my 60 years of existence. But neither is it my norm. And so I started thinking through what's going on in my life. And I, and I, I, I just started, I just finally decided it's, it's time to pray. So I, I, I prayed. And I, and I had this funny uh, experience, really. I felt like the Lord said, where is your faith? I'm like, I, right now I'm offended. So I'm trying to figure out what demon is like, you know, did that thing on me. And the Lord's like, where is your faith? Like, what, what's, do you trust what I've done in you, that you, are, that you are loved, that you are lovable, that you are everything I say you are, and that I'm everything that, you, that I say I am about myself? I'm like, huh? I, I guess, you know, and I was thinking about this story that's been told so many times, and Bill does probably the best job I've ever heard telling the story. It's in, actually, Luke 8, and it's in uh, verse 22, and it's actually the story about in fact, let me just read, read it to you. Now, one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got in a boat, and he said to them, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out, but as they were sailing along, he, as they were sailing, sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. And they came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves. And they, stopped, and they stopped and became calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed and said to one another, who then is this that he commands even the wind and the water and they obey him? You know, um, Romans 12.3 says that God has given everyone faith. Like, there's everybody on the planet has faith. The question, uh, two questions arise in my life and in yours, and that is, especially in trials, and that is, where did you put it and who do you have it in? And here's the disciples in the boat, and they're, they're having a crisis, and Jesus asked them a question like, where did you put your faith? Like, did you leave it at home because we're in a ship? Where did you put your faith? Uh, this, you know, Bill does a, a great job telling the story, and so this is really Bill's insight. But, you know, they put their faith in Jesus. They woke Jesus up and said, hey, you know, we're, in fact, uh, I think it's Mark who tells us the same story. And they asked Jesus, do you not care that we're perishing? <laughs> like, don't you care? Here you are. How could you sleep when something so terrible is happening? How many of you ever felt that before? I mean, have you ever felt alone as a Christian who's been a Christian for a lot of years and suddenly you feel like, what, don't you, listen, here's the waves, all this stuff's happening and I don't know why you seem to be asleep when I need you. I will always be with you. I'm not asking you to be with me, I'm asking you to stop the storm. I'm not asking you to sleep in my boat. I'm asking you to help me. I will always be with you. That's not a comfort right now. I'm about to die. Anyone else besides me felt that way? And the Lord stops this. He's so, you know, he's so amazing. Of course he's amazing. You know, of course he's amazing. He's, he rebukes the, the wind and then, you know, calms peace be with you and peace be to the storm. And the storm stops. You know, we all know the story so well. Then he turns to the disciples and says, where's your faith? 
And, and I, guess, um, I guess the point that he's making is sometimes there's storms that Jesus calms, but they were there for us to conquer. And he's like, all right, I'll handle this. But listen, I already gave you everything you need to do this yourself. I was riding in the boat expecting you to take care of this. And I don't know why you woke me up. It's like, I put my faith in you. And he's like, I have faith in you. You do something about the storm yourself. But okay, I'll calm it. But I, want to, I still want to use it as a lesson. Like, where did you put your faith? And second thing I, I want to say, and I think I've said it already, but every storm in our life forces us to answer the question, where is your faith? We go through storms, whether it's a stupid thing like texting somebody and reaching out to someone they don't reach back, or whether it's something like your mother's dying and you're, you're asking yourself, I know Jesus is with me, but I need him to do something. <laughs> I don't just need him to ride with me. I need him to actually do something. And the Lord's like, where, where'd you put your faith? Where'd you store it? It doesn't seem to be with you right now. Or maybe you put it in something that you shouldn't have put it in. And I, I think it's really cool that they asked Jesus and he did what, he, what they asked him to do, but that he had faith in them. He said, we're going to the other side. The, the point is, he'd already said, we're going to the other side. This is the promise. We're going to the other side. We're going to die. No, no, no. Where's your faith? I said, we're going to the other side. <laughs> it may get rocky, but that's where we're going. In uh, Matthew chapter 17, Jesus says this, Then disciples came to Jesus privately. This is when um, this demon was in this boy, and they couldn't drive the demon out. And they said, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he said to them, Because the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, this is kind of a funny story, the littlest, we couldn't, why couldn't we get rid of this demon? Because the littleness of your faith. All right? And if you, if you, if you have faith as the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here and go to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, this is kind of an awkward story because the disciples are trying to do something that they've watched Jesus do. In fact, they've actually had some success in this area before. And yet, this is a hard case, and Jesus has to go take care of this case for them. It's kind of embarrassing. They, your ministry didn't work. And somebody else better had to come along and fix it for him. And so they're kind of like, hey, how come that didn't work? And Jesus said, because your littleness of your faith. And then he says, and if you had the faith of a mustard seed, like that's a pretty small faith, then you could say to this mountain, be removed, and it would be removed. And I looked up the word littleness, and it, it actually, a better translation would be brief. It, it, it comes from, uh, I don't know how you pronounce this word. I barely do English. O-L-I-G-O-S. I don't know how you say that. But it means a little bit, it means, it means uh, brief or very few or not very long. When he says littleness, he's not talking about the size of it, but how brief they have it. They have brief moments of faith. And Jesus is all, if you had, a, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, but you had it all the time, you could say to this mountain, be removed. Like, the question isn't how much you have. The question is, do you hang on to what you have? 
And he said, you have littleness. You have very brief faith. Like once in a while, you have a surge. Woo, you can do something. But, you don't, but if, you keep this little, if you kept this little mustard seed with you all the time, instead of briefly, you could move mountains. So it's not how much you have. It's whether you keep it with you all the time. I, I don't know about you, but I find myself using faith when I need it. <laughs> oh, I don't know how I'm going to say this and still be a pastor. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I'm a prophet, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, do you ever find yourself, you do what you can do, and then when you get in trouble, then you believe? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about, if you had faith that wasn't brief, like you didn't just use it when you had to have it, then you would be ready for this. But the challenge is, you always do what you can do without faith, and then when it comes to trouble, then you, take, you, then you use your brief faith, not your little faith, because it only takes the mustard seed of faith. The struggle with your disciples is, you guys do it your way, and then when you need help, you get in trouble, then you try to do something and you have no practice. In Matthew 13, 31, Jesus said, uh, he presented another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Remind you of anything we just read? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man sowed, took and sowed in a field. And this seed is smaller than the other seeds, but when it's fully grown, it's larger than all the garden plants, and it becomes a tree, and so the birds of the air of the ne- and come and nest in its branches. This is interesting. Jesus takes, uses the same example of mustard seed. He said a guy plants this one little mustard seed in his garden, and pretty soon it takes over the garden. How many know that's the hope that we have in the world? Like we saw all this crazy stuff going on in the world. Does it, does it ever scare you? Three of us. The rest of you are like, no, we don't have brief faith. I watch the news in faith just to see where to extend my faith. So sorry. This, like, I look around at things that are happening in the world, and, you know, I've been getting more and more involved in in some countries and with some leaders, and, and, you know, just about the time that I, you know, I start hearing the inside story of different crises that we're hearing on the news, and I'm like, you know, I'm sitting with these people, and I'm like, you know, really, like, this is is way worse than people know. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking, wow, I'm supposed to bring hope. And the more they talk, the more hopeless I feel. And the Lord reminds me, you really have no idea why you're here, do you? No. I don't even know where Brazil is. <laughs> See, you're here to plant a mustard seed in these people's hearts. And a year from now, what you worried about is going to take over. I mean, you know, Nebuchadnezzar destroys Israel, tears down the temple kills a bunch of people, and carries four boys off into captivity. Four little mustard seeds. 
in the most powerful kingdom in the whole world at the time. And God goes, watch what I... <laughs> I mean, he made a strategic mistake. He took the wrong four boys. <laughs> Captive. I mean, can you imagine, like a whole... You know, the, the army of Babylon destroys Israel in a very short war. I forget how many days. And he literally takes some POWs, four guys POW, as POW, prisoners of war, and he, and he puts them on their staff and doesn't have any idea that these are four mustard seeds. Four mustard seeds that, at the end of the story, that they lead Nebuchadnezzar to God. They lead Cyrus and, and um, Darius to God. Strategic mistakes by the enemy. And I look around at the world and, I, and, I, and I, I'm, I, I hear the news and I get behind the scenes and I realize that God has a strategic plan and he's planting mustard seeds, little mustard seeds, like they're insignificant, nobody cares about it, no one even thinks to defend themselves against these four boys. They don't think, oh, those are spies. No, they're just kids. Can't even speak the language. But little by little, they start to grow. And they start to seed faith into the heart of evil kings. And pretty soon, the garden of their heart is being taken over by a God seed. It's very little. But it's incredibly powerful. One little, one little quarter ounce of this could turn your world upside down and change nations. I love math, uh, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, "Therefore I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them." I know this verse has been taken out of context. At least in my younger day, it was. But all things which you pray and ask, believe that you receive them and they shall be granted to you. How many of you know that praying without faith is complaining? No, I think there's a place for complaining to God. I, I, I know. I actually preached a message on it. You should have heard it. It was better than this one. You know, you read the Psalms and David spends a lot of time, a lot of time telling God how bad he feels. And how bad he feels about God at times. And how he feels like God abandoned him. And, then, and how his enemies are prospering. And why did God let this happen? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's tongues for... <laughs> I don't want to tell you what it's tongues for. <laughs> and so I, I think that, you know, I, I preached a, a, a message, shared a message a while back called, Does God Know You? And because, you know, Jesus turned to the man or actually told a story about, a, said not everyone in the, who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And not everybody who says, you know, in the last days there'll be false prophets who say, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we do miracles? Didn't we do all these things? Prophesy in your name. He said, I never knew you. So I think that burying your heart with God has a place. Are you with me? I think being real with God has a place. And but I, I just, just, just as long as we don't think that that kind of prayer is doing anything besides letting God know us, I don't think that when we pray in complaint that it's something that, that, that actually moves God 
to do something. I think that faith moves God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I think that, you know, telling God how you feel is great. At some point in that prayer, or at some point in your life, in some point with that, that problem that you're complaining about, at some point you have to actually have faith. And how I many you know if you believe, what's it say? I'm sorry. It says, therefore, I say all things which you pray and ask, believe that you receive them. Believe past tense that you receive them. There's something about seeing things happen before they actually happen. How how many know that's what faith is? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things um, not yet seen. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. You know, when you really have faith about something, somebody thinks you're taking a big risk. How many of you have ever had people think you took a big risk when inside you think, this, this isn't a risk, this is already done? I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I, already, I already have it. I, in my mind, I've already given birth to it. I want to just end this last part of this message with this um, idea. Um, I think it's important that we believe in God. (laughs) That was deep. (laughs) Sort of forgot where I was. I've been hanging around with other people, you know. I think it's just as important that we believe in the work that God has done in us. And I think one seems really spiritual and the other one almost seems arrogant. That we would actually believe in the work that God's done in us and that he wants to do through us. That we would actually be confident in the work God has done in us and wants to do through us. And that that sense of confidence that comes from believing, not in what I can do, but in what he's doing in me and wants to do through me. There's something about believing in yourself. And people say this in sports. Well, that person believes in himself. I I understand that there's a fine line, but I'm talking about believing in yourself because you believe of what God's done in you. Like, there's there's kind of a pride thing. Like, I believe in myself because I went to university and I worked really hard. and 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 I, you know, maybe I, if I'm a professional basketball player, like... I try harder than everybody else. I work harder than everybody else. And therefore, I believe in myself because of what I've done. And and there may be some truth about that. But I'm talking about, I believe in myself because of what he's done in me. And I have great confidence in it. And there's something about believing what, what God says about you. And I was thinking about the story of Gideon. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's in Gideon, it's in Judges chapter 6. And, and the, the, the Israelites are oppressed by the Mennonites, Mennonites, something close to that. They had ite behind it. I'm sure it wasn't Brazilites. Mennonites? No, it's not the Mennonites. I know that for sure. Let's not, let's not offend a whole group of people on, on purpose. I do it enough on accident. Let's not do it on purpose. But they're oppressed by these people for years, and, they, and, and Gideon is in a wine press, and he's, and he's pressing wheat in a wine press. 
And they just had this prophet, and God sends them a prophet. And it's interesting because the prophet, you'll notice, doesn't tell them about their past. I'm sorry, about their future. He tells them about their past. So they have this prophetic conference that has nothing to do with the future. It has everything to do with the past. And the, this prophet starts telling them, remember that God's, he, he parted the Red Sea. He brought you through on dry land. He's telling them about what God did. He's tell, this is a prophetic conference that's all about testimonies. It's about what God's already done in their life. And evidently, Gideon must have went to the conference. Because a few days later, at least seemingly a few days later, this angel shows up and says to Gideon, Oh, mighty warrior. And his immediate response is, Yeah? Where are all the miracles we heard about at the conference? Where are the miracles that that prophet told us about? And Gideon is, in my opinion, Gideon is a little bit disillusioned. He's heard about the miracles. They're being oppressed for years. And he, he's, he's, you know, he's in the unbelief camp. And he forgets he's talking to an angel. You know, an angel shows up. Oh, Eric, man of valor. I mean, no, it's an angel. Be careful. And the angel, and he says to the angel, Oh yeah, where are the miracles that our forefathers told us about? I'm kind of sick of hearing about them. Here we are oppressed. We hear about miracles. You said a prophet. He tells us more about miracles. And here we are needing one. And the angel says to him, I am with you. Yeah, I know that. Sleep on the boat. Thank you. And the angel begins to tell Gideon who he is. And all these years that they've been oppressed, the Israelites and Gideon think that the problem is this enemy whom I cannot pronounce. But the real problem that they find out later is that, the, that Gideon doesn't know who he is. Because the truth is, is that when Gideon finds out who he is and whose he is, God gives him the dumbest battle plan in history. <laughs> Just to prove that the problem isn't the enemy. And Gideon gets really scared right before, you know, when, when, you, know you know the story, as all these guys, like 3,000 of them or something, and God goes, you got too many guys. <laughs> Tell all the guys who are afraid to go home. And, and a whole bunch of guys go home. And God goes, no, that's still too many. Have them go down to the water and drink. And if they drink like a dog, they're with you. I mean, about this time, I'd be like, is there anybody else up there? I mean... And Gideon ends up with 300. And thankfully, he didn't ask the question of those. Like, okay, if any of you are afraid, go home. Because I'm sure it'd just be Gideon left. And God goes, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. Okay, here's the plan, Gideon. I want you to get some jars. <laughs> That's a SEAL team. I want you to get some jars and some candles. And put the candles in the jars. And get some trumpets. 
to get up on the mountain so everyone could see them at night. Make sure everybody knows exactly where these 300 people are. I mean, this is stupid is as stupid does, you know? And then I want you to have them blow the trumpets and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. Then I want you to have them break the jars. Oh, that'll scare the dickens out of them for sure. <laughs> I mean, Gideon hears the plan. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to go tell the guys. <laughs> plan. Guys, here's the plan. Gather up. Okay, I need to get some jars. And we're going to like make some bombs and, you know, put some, uh, you know, dynamite in there. Now, candles. <laughs> God told me we're going to like break the jars and blow the trumpets, you know, to make sure they know right where we are. And here's the good part. We're going to say, for the Lord and for Gideon. It's going to be a great funeral. (laughs) You remember the story? Am I exaggerating? This is the story. The first time I read that, I'm like, this cannot be the Bible. This is a stupid story. And the night before, obviously Gideon's terrified. He's terrified. He's, you know, he's having panic attacks. And God says to him, okay, here's what I want you to do, Gideon. I want you to sneak down into the enemy's camp and hear what they're saying about you. Oh, this is going to help. This is going to be helpful. I'm going to go down to the enemy's camp and hear what they're saying about me. Thanks, God. No, Gideon, go, 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 go. And Gideon sneaks down with a couple of guys or a guy, I don't remember the rest of the story, but he sneaks down to the enemy's camp and he's like hanging out, listening. And one guy says to the other guy, this is the enemy. He said, have you heard about Gideon? The dude is fierce. And he starts to tell, the enemy starts to tell the story of how terrified they are of Gideon. Look at that, that's dirt. <laughs> the message is better than that, it's just dust. It wasn't a real feather. <laughs> This is a real message, though. (laughs) And he goes down to the enemy's camp, and he hears the enemy talking about Gideon, and the enemy's saying stuff that's true about Gideon that God's already told Gideon, and Gideon doesn't believe about himself. Are you with me? God's saying to Gideon, if we're going to do this, this is a great plan. I just need one thing. I need you to believe in you. The enemy believes in you. I believe in you. The angels believe in you. Your 300 guys believe in you. It's only you who doesn't believe in you. And when people lack confidence, people lack commitment. I need you to go down the enemy's camp and see they're terrified of you. Because they see in you what I put in you. The angels see what I put in you. Your men see what I put in you. You're the only one who doesn't see what I put in you. And you've been thinking that these enemies are your problem. And you are your problem. You lack faith, not in God, you lack faith in you, in the work I'm doing in you. 
All right, Lord. And I'm telling you, the enemy is more, he, he believes in you more than you do. You'll think I'm joking. I've, been, I've done deliverances before where I walk in the room. This is a true story. It's not exaggerated. And they go, this is Chris Felton from Weaverville. We know you. I'm like, I know you too. How many of you know you want to be known in hell and famous in heaven? It's right out there, this lady ran out that, used to be, uh, used to just be a hallway there. She ran out this double, those double doors at a Randy Clark conference and I ran out after her because I thought she was hurting when I wasn't so busy. Used to care. <laughs> I know that's what people think. She read my Facebook post. Like, I don't know why you're a pastor, right? You know, I texted you. You didn't text me back. Whatever. Because I really didn't care. That's why. That's the real reason. Okay, be offended. Go get so so. You absolutely know I'm kidding, right? This lady runs out the door, and I run after her, and there's, an, there's another door that, that used to exit out. There was no, there was no wing there. And I, I touched her on the back, and she turned, she turned around in a man's voice, and she said, I know who you are. You're Chris Valentin from Weaverville. My hair stood up on my... <laughs> I mean, I started to panic, and the Lord said... He knows who you are. Do you know who you are? I mean, do you understand what just happened? This man knows, this, this demon knows who you are. All right, here we go. Do you know who you are? Like, do you have faith in yourself? I mean, you know, when people text you, they don't text you back. I mean, you know, it's their loss. I felt so good. Say that. Our people want to know you. You're lovable. You're amazing. You could do stuff like break jars and demons leave. And you know, Gideon never fought in the battle, right? They broke the jars, the enemy had killed each other, and it's like that's the way, that's the kind of war I like to be in. One I don't have to fight in. I don't know. You know, every time you, you think you got it, you, there's another layer. Like, I feel like life is a, like a big onion. Oh, it's, it's bigger than I thought it was. And you think, you know, I wrote this book. I went in one day in Danny's office. This story's probably seven years old. And I went into Danny's office one day, and I was really spinning. I was having a season, like now. And I said, hey, man, you got a few minutes? He's like, yeah. So I, I just poured out my heart to him, like, you know, I'm struggling, da-da-da. And he looks at me, after, you know, he's the, he's the amazing listener. Either that or he's in a trance. I'm not sure which it is. <laughs> he might be able to turn on this trance thing and just... Totally look like he's paying attention or not. I don't know. No, he's a great listener. And so he's, you know, he's listening and he's asking me a few questions. And, and, and uh, about 20 minutes goes by and he gets all done. And I get all done. He's, you know, kind of like... So your solution is, he said, you know, there's this really good book you should read. I said, okay, I'll, I'll read a book, dude. I'm spinning. 
He said, yeah, it's called the supernatural waste royalty. <laughs> if you don't know, I wrote that book. I looked at him like, he said, dude, you just forgot everything you put in that book. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go buy it. <laughs> Even if I don't get anything out of it, at least it's another sale. <laughs> I had a stream two nights ago. Um, I, won't, I won't tell you who it was about because I, I actually, because I actually don't think it has anything to do with the person. But it's a, a person I'm very close to, and he hit his head in the dream. You know how weird dreams are? Okay, this is not a time to laugh. Okay, funny part's over. <laughs> it's not funny when someone hurts themselves. <laughs> so he hit his head, and he got a concussion, and he forgot who he was in a dream. And so I, I'm looking at my notes. What I, I got up immediately and wrote it down. And so we were walking him to the hospital, and he was like totally, you know, kind of out of it. Totally like, didn't know who he was, didn't know where he was from, didn't know, it, just totally forgot. Like, a concussion. And so I, I'm walking to the hospital, and I, and I, I want to get an ambulance. And I'm calling and calling and calling and calling, trying to, my phone won't dial the right number. You know how weird dreams are. I keep dialing people, and it's not the hospital. It's not the ambulance. I'm like, what the heck's going on? And as we're, as, we're going, as we're going along, you know, he's kind of talking like he's confused. And, and, and as we're walking, he's getting smaller. He's getting smaller like, uh, he's getting younger. He's getting, he's getting more and more immature. Like as we're walking in the dream. You know how weird dreams are. He's getting younger and younger. And pretty soon he's a teenager. And pretty soon, and pretty soon he's, he's, uh, he's like eight years old. And as we're walking, we're getting closer to the hospital. And pretty soon... He's a, he's, a, he's a child that's just learning to walk. And pretty soon he's an infant. And I pick him up. And I'm like, and I'm panicked. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And, and I have him in my arms. And Kathy's with me. And I'm like, call, hurry, call the ambulance. You know, he's going to disappear. <laughs> I don't know how bad this could get. You know, we get back to a fetus or one little sperm or something. You know, <laughs> this could get bad. Joking aside, I'm like, I'm, I'm panicked. I'm like, tell Kathy, call, call, call. And we're calling and nothing's happening. And, and I get so panicked, I start to say to him, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? And I start telling him who he is. And he starts, he goes from an infant to someone who's a toddler. And I'm like, and, I, and, I'm like, and in the dream, I'm going, oh, oh, he forgot who he is. He forgot who he is. And so I'm speaking to him. Uh, who he is, and he's getting older. You know, he's maturing, he's getting older. And I keep talking to him, and we're walking, we're getting, you know, we're moving to the hospital. And I get to the hospital, and there's all this confusion, and I, I'm talking to him, I'm telling him who he is, and all of a sudden there's all this noise, and people are yelling, and, and I, I can't hear myself. And at, when I stop talking to him, he starts immediately going back, backwards. And in my... And, I, and now there's so much noise, I'm yelling at him. You're a man of God. You've forgotten who you are. Listen, you're, you're a great man of God. Listen, you, 
Now, you're a miracle worker. I'm like, I'm just having to think of things like, this is who you are. And as I speak to him, he starts getting, growing back, getting, getting bigger. And then I'm still in the dream, and, the, and that part of the dream ends. And this voice starts teaching me a lesson. And he says to me, do you know why the man got small? He forgot who he was. He forgot who he was because he looked around at his circumstances and they were, they scared him. And so they started reducing him. His fear reduced him down to what he thought he could be. And at one point he became a girl. No, no, you know, I wrote, hey, fashion Doreen, give me a little amen, please. Thank you. I'm like, he, he, he's reduced himself. His fear has reduced him down to this infant. This is who he thinks he is because this is all the responsibility he can handle. His circumstances, he got afraid and his circumstances reduced him down to a little child. And then he didn't think he could handle anything. He needed people to handle him and take care of him. And I'm like, and, the, and then in the, in the dream, the Lord said, do you know people like this? Do you know people that need people to take care of them and you think it's because they are, feel entitled, but it's actually because they're afraid and they're afraid because they've forgotten who they are. Then the Lord said, do you know anybody like that? Uh, I'm in the dream. And I said, uh, I think so. In the dream, I think so. He said, how about you? How about you? Have you forgotten who you are? Have these circumstances reduced you? Are you afraid? I love it. This, this man has a son who's demonized. And he gets thrown in a fire and all this stuff. And Jesus <clears throat> encounters this man who the disciples have already tried to help. And Jesus starts asking him questions like, how long has he been doing this? Uh, how old was he when he started? Just, you know, common questions you would ask on a prayer line. It's like, it's Jesus. I, I, I'm impressed by that. Jesus has to ask. I think it's kind of cool. And the guy's telling him how long he's done it and all this stuff. And then, and then the, the father says to him, do you think you can do anything about this? No, he says, he says this. He goes, I'd like, you to, I'd like you to help me if you can. And he, Jesus said, if I can? He turns to him and he said, if you believe, nothing shall be impossible to you. And the man says, help, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Do you ever feel like that? Have you ever been a, an unbelieving believer? Like, I don't know how this happens, but I got enough faith to get to heaven. I got enough faith to get transformed. But sometimes life scares the bejeebers out of me. And here I am following Jesus, and people are like, and, and Jesus is all, if you believe, you could move, remove mountains, you could uproot trees. And I'm like, I, I obviously believe, like, I give everything to follow you. I'm following you. I'm following this invisible man. I've given my life to follow this invisible man. And I'm like, I think, I woke up from the dream, 
And I realized that this dream wasn't just about me. I'm sure it's about lots of others. That's why I'm sharing it. And I woke up from the dream. And I woke up completely out of the dream. And I said out loud, help me with my unbelief. Help me believe what you say about me so I can help them. You know, arrogance, nobody likes pride and arrogance. Nobody, I don't know, we've all been around people who are like that and probably we've all been that person at some point in our life or I certainly have. I would certainly admit to that. Nobody likes that. That, that you know, it's, it smells. It doesn't, confidence that's, that's coming from pride, it doesn't smell the same. It looks the same on the outside, but it has kind of a stink to it. But, but false humility stinks worse. The I'm no good, Jesus help me. And I think that, I know it's a simple message, but where's your faith that God gave you for you? He gave you faith for whatever it is you're going through. And he said, we're going to the other side. <laughs> and when you freak out, it's all about you not believing who God said you were. It's not about the storm. It's not about the enemies. It's not about the Midianites or anyites in your land. You think it is. It's really about you. It's really about you forgetting who you are in God and who he is in you. This is a true story. And you know, you, you, you can laugh at my text, but I bet you all had similar things happen in your life. In certain seasons especially. You get tired, you get low. Things, you go through times when things don't seem to be going well. I mean, you know, when you touch, you go through seasons where everything you touch turns to gold. I've been in those seasons. Everything I touch turns to gold. It's like, this is amazing. I don't have a whole lot of problem believing in who God made me. And I go through other times where it feels like I'm running in molasses and it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't come out right. Everyone's had those seasons, right? And you just start, and you know what? Those seasons, they don't just work on do you believe in God? They work on do you believe in who you are in God? I finish with a story. God tells Joshua, okay, here's the plan. It's another one of those crazy plans. God takes Joshua to this city called Jericho. It's a double-walled city. Do you know that? Like, there's two walls. This is why it was an impregnable city. There was an outside wall and an inside wall. So if you got over the first wall, you were stuck between two walls. So it was the walls of Jericho, not the wall of Jericho. So God tells Joshua this plan. Like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to march around for seven days. And everyone's going to be quiet. First of all, that's going to be a miracle. Not the marching, the quiet. And then, on the last day, you're going to march around seven times. So you're totally, completely exhausted. And then, you're going to shout, and the walls are going to come down. Well, I don't, I'm not sure that's a positive. After you've walked seven, seven times around a city seven, for seven days and then the last day you walk around seven times and you're totally exhausted now you're going to fight and god goes so then the walls are going to fall down and then you're going to you're going to kill everybody in there all right 
It's a good plan. I go tell the people. So Joshua, the night before the battle, Joshua is freaked, of course. And he goes out to, to check out the walls one more time, which is probably a serious mistake. And he meets an angel who's carrying a sword. And the angel looks like he's not in a good mood. And Joshua says to the angel, are you for us or are you against us? The angel said, no. For us, against us, no. <laughs> this is like <laughs> me or them. It's not, no is not, yes or no is not on, on the multiple question test. Are you for us or are you against us? No. Explain. I've come, no, rather I've come as the captain of the Lord of hosts. The question isn't, am I for you, Joshua? The question is, are you with me? <laughs> That's the question. Are you asking me if I'm with you? No, I'm not with you. Are you with me? I got this handled. You can be peaceful if you understand who you are. You're the guy God loves so much, he sends angels for you to be on their team. You are relieved the responsibility of leading this. I will take over from here. I'm the captain. I'm in charge. Thank you very much. I was getting really worried. Felt alone in the boat. I knew you were with me, but you were asleep. And I want to finish by saying this. Anybody have trouble in their life? Oh, good. Not, you know, misery loves company. That's all I really needed. <laughs> Should have done that the first five minutes and I could have just had Eric come up and finished preaching. Of course, everybody's had trouble in their life. I feel like God wants me to speak to you. In the dream, I was speaking to you. You are amazing. You are God's mustard seed that he planted in a field and in a garden, and it took over the whole garden. You're like, I'm broken. No, you are Gideon. You are more than you think you are. And the enemy is terrified of you. That's why they resist you. That's why they don't want you to pray in the school. That's why they don't want you in the government. He doesn't want you anywhere because he knows who you are. If you were powerless, he wouldn't be afraid. He'd let you everywhere. Well, he knows you're a mustard seed, but you just don't know it. It's a great compliment that they don't want us anywhere. Because they know when we get in there, they've heard the stories. You go down there, you listen to the enemy's camp, they've heard the stories. What happens when Christians start to do the thing? And pray that pray thing, pour the oil thing, and all that thing. Pretty soon they're starting countries and stuff. Crazy people come over on ships and start countries. You know what I'm saying? They're afraid of you. You just don't know it. And sometimes I think we have to go over to the enemy's camp and hear what they're saying. Those crazy Christians, man, if those guys start to, like, they start to know who they're, they start to get along? Oh, my God. I mean, if 300 of them could get along for a week, well, I'll break jars and stuff will happen. 
You're amazing. You're God's most beautiful creation. You're God's most beautiful new creation. He loves you with everlasting love. He's called you to be his royal priesthood. He, you are his own possession. Do you know Ephesians 1? You are his inheritance. We have an inheritance in God. God has an inheritance. God has an inheritance. Do you believe that? And his inheritance is people. He goes, I'm inheriting these people. And he's excited about it. You are God's most amazing creation. Feeling bad about yourself is irrational and stupid. I didn't say you, were, you called me stupid. I did not. I said, it's, feel, it's stupid to feel that way. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to pray for you. Stand up. Put your hand on your heart. Whoops, I'm sorry. <laughs> Change tone. <laughs> Please put your hand on your heart. Scared <laughs> myself. I'll pray for you. And Holy Spirit, I'll just release confidence that comes from faith in who you made us to be. And that we would grow up, that we would grow up in all aspects of Christ. But we would grow up. We'd no longer be milk drinkers. <clears throat> no, it's going to start the second part. It's a little offensive. But we would be meat eaters. <laughs> if you're a vegetarian, you can still just receive this. Just... Lord, we just release that over every single person that our trials would not reduce us to our fears. And that like Gideon, that we would get, uh, have this holy discontent sense of not wanting to be in a wine press with wheat anymore. And Lord, I pray that in that moment, you would send help. Send us help, God, that would give us confidence that you are at work in our lives. You're not just sleeping in a boat, but you are at work in our lives. You're calming storms, you're... You're, just, you're destroying things that are against us. You're doing miracles through us and for us. And in us. And Lord, I pray for tonight that you do a miracle in us. That you would unveil the royal priesthood tonight in ourselves. And you begin to pull off the covers and give us a revelation of who you made us to be. And that it wouldn't breed arrogance or anything like that, pride. But it would, it would breed this awe. God, how, you, how could you do something so amazing with something so little? But I give myself totally to this. Let's pray this. God, I give myself totally into your hands. That you would take this little bit and you would make it something amazing. You would even amaze me with what you do with me. And that would be how I stay humble. That I'm amazed that you could do so much with so little. 
And Lord, I pray that you would deliver me from fear and that you would give me confidence in God, in the work God's doing in me tonight, in Jesus' name. And that as I grow up, my challenges would grow smaller. Not because they changed, but because I have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.